2: Hi, I'm Erin Welsh. And I'm Erin Alman Updike, and we're the hosts of This Podcast Will Kill You on Exactly Right. We're back with our seventh season, which is bigger and better than ever.
1: Because guess what? We're now a weekly show.
2: This season, we're tackling everything from long COVID to norovirus, from the supplement industry to IVF, and so, so much more. New episodes drop every single Tuesday. Follow This Podcast Will Kill You wherever you
1: get your podcasts.
3: Do you hear the sounds of the podcast train? Of the ghost podcast train? Oh, there hasn't been a ghost podcast
2: train <laughs> in 25 years. <laughs> that that voice has gone totally into a southern bell area that it, where it doesn't belong. I love it there. I it, want it to stay there. It was supposed to be an old uh, a minor 49er. Yeah. But no, I've changed the scene. I don't care. I love it there. Great.
3: Thank mm. you for your support. Welcome to My Favorite Murder. Yes, we, that's Georgia Hardstart. That's Karen
2: Kilgariff. And we're here her to talk to you about a couple things called crimes. And true.
3: Truthness. We love truthness. We also enjoy talking about crimes. We'll never lie to you. We'll, we'll not get things right. Yes, not intentionally. Right. You're right. But, but we won't lie.
2: But there will be times where we deeply mislead you uh-huh. and we'll get you to say the wrong thing to your friends and coworkers in a braggy
3: voice. But they'll believe you because of your tone. Right. And so, your delivery. Yeah. What we're telling you is it's all about tone and... In, in in incantation it's all about incantations mm-hmm. and it's all about spells mm-hmm. and it's about having short-term jobs that you don't have to go back and Ugh. see the same people after like 2 weeks cuz you've lied to Thank them so much god you yeah. meet one person in the whole, in the eight jobs you've had as a temp that's like you're the best person you've met
2: then they you will go on to marry that person right this is our guarantee to you mm-hmm.
3: and, so we, keep and your, we don't lie
2: to you look around the office right now is your eighth person your future spouse right. sitting near you. Yeah. Pick them. You have 15 seconds. Kick them? Pick them. Oh. <laughs> kick them. I'd rather you kick them. Kicking them is a great way to start the flirting. If you take it from me, mm-hmm.
3: seven-year-old Karen Kilgariff, a good shin kick, is there's no better way to say I love you. Karen has stuck with her flirting technique, <laughs> and she'll never let it go. And, and we like your tenacity. Thank you. I feel like it... Like
2: having a big butt is gonna come into fashion. (laughs) I just have to wait it out. There was a time where I thought, no, kicking people in shins would never come into fashion in terms of flirting. Mm -hmm. But
3: so many things have. Well, in this climate, in this fucking, in this rough climate of fucking, you know, ladies first doggy dog the future is female but there's also uh, there's a parallel future of nazis yeah. and there's fucking all these things Biolic is fucking arguing about <laughs> shit that doesn't make any sense it's like no <laughs> kicking in the shins gonna be the only way we let anyone know you to break through to yeah. say hey you matter to me yeah and and you have blossomed into a not fucking anti-feminist yeah asshole and so take and so prep yourself before you wreck your shins And this has been, this, oh, this has been an ad for HelloFresh this whole time. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Anyways, go to promo code. Murder! Can we give a really quick shout out to the two ladies? Please do. The two fucking... So we we just finished our last weekend tour of 2017 Yep, Um in St. Louis and Kansas City. It was a fucking amazing, fun weekend. We yeah, a bunch you guys. Of, thank you. We meet a bunch of awesome people after the show at the meet and greet. And everyone... Like, every fourth person comes up in a shirt, a homemade My Favorite Murder shirt that's yes. just funny and weird and shit that we don't remember saying or is like something they drew. It's it's always funny. Oh, there was two girls that had a uh, Stay Sexy Don't Get Murdered in Wingdings. Yes. That, I, and I was like, do people, oh no, it was,
2: yeah, SSDGM Wingdings. Right. Um, was, and I was like, does anyone, is anyone able to read Wingdings off the dome and then know what that says? And they were like,
3: not yet. <laughs> the best <laughs> that, was, my that favorite. was great and then there were two other ladies and they had shirts that just said promo code murder, murder. and i was just like you <laughs> fucking subtle as fuck <laughs> badass bitches we that laughed is, so hard like, it never even crossed our minds that that was like a funny thing the wingdings also included a bomb yeah because i think a- don't get i think a murder must be bomb right well there was a bomb at the end like the little like cartoon bomb but i thought those things only represented the letter yeah oh so it
2: wouldn't be murder but it, but it, i just thought it was coincidental yeah. that a bomb would be in there because it was ss i think it was the d was a bomb i don't know something in there it doesn't matter it was still great it was the bomb it was great a great looking it was the bomb also someone in kansas city by the time it got back to us, we got so many nice presents, and thanks, you guys. Oh we got God. tons of stuff backstage. There was a lot of people that were worried, saying, we gave you something, and then they took it away from us. the shit
3: you guys bring, they, the theater is like, you cannot bring
2: that in here. You can't bring the <laughs> severed head of Ted Bundy into our theater. Please don't. But it's actually a cake. Sorry, you can't. Yeah. Um. So we got a whole table full. It was like Christmas backstage yeah, for great. us. Somebody made a plastic baggie filled with the best chocolate chip cookies oh i've ever had god. i think there was either rice Krispies or cornflakes in them yeah. so they were really cr- small and crispy mm-hmm. whoever did that god bless you i ate maybe 6 of them just standing there
3: talking we got a full cheesecake oh my god people went crazy for that cheesecake we got this a haunted scary clown <laughs> the the it's doll right, it's over there yeah so these these lovely women these two women brought I don't know where the fuck they must have found it. Like, I think they said a secondhand shop. Yeah. And they were like, somehow they saw it and were like, Karen and Georgia need this. (laughs) Like, what does that say about us? It was like a Raggedy Ann homemade clown doll from the 70s. Knitted. Knitted. That like, clearly whatever child got it was terrified of it because it didn't look like it had been touched. No. Because one side of the clown's face, one side of the clown was a happy clown and then you turned it over and we we're going to post it. And it was the most terrifying clown sad face you've ever seen. Yes. With silver tears knitted onto the yeah. face. Steven, you're going to have to post it. OK.
2: It is so upsetting. And the, also the best part was the way the girl. This was in St. Louis. Yeah. The way the girl walked up holding Presented it or it. woman. Sorry, I always do that. She held it like she was also a ghost like she walked up really weird and stiff and kind of like really slow like she had been
3: looking forward to giving this to us for two months and she was like finally it's here (laughs) yes it was so good everything about the presentation she said to me she goes turn it over yeah
2: (laughs) and then it was horror show yeah so anyway you will you guys will see it steven
0: i was gonna say wingdings the bomb is m so oh. M in murder.
3: Uh, yep. Nice. All right. Okay. Perfect. So, so M just happens to be a bomb. Look at that. It's so perfect for us too. Wingdings was made for us. Oh, my God. Wingdings? Wingdings is, like,
2: my personal. I didn't know I loved, like, because I've loved a lot of fonts. Mm-hmm.
3: Mostly Times New Roman, but Wingdings <laughs> well, is now. Well, you know I only use Georgia font. I know. But from here on out, I'm doing my fucking <laughs> bullet journal only in Wingdings, Wingdings from now on. Goodbye. Oh, it's so perfect. Um. Okay, bye.
2: Bye. Uh Oh. What do you have? I was going to say... A couple things about My Sweet Audrina. I Because okay. I was talking about it over the weekend with Great. people at I'm the live shows. I love you care, because I don't. Um, I really care so much, and I I know that there are people who, like, sped through
3: reading it, and there are people who responded of like, I thought we were going to do a well, book Well, we club. told them we were doing a thing, and then we were like, nope, goodbye. Yeah. Which is like, if you're not, if this is episode 99, if you don't know that by now. Yeah, flakearoo. Except for, Flakeru. I really do, it's just taking me forever
2: to read it, because I, okay. this book, I'm, I'm attacking it on t- two fronts, which is I have the hard bound copy mm-hmm. next to my bed, mm-hmm. like an old widow. <laughs> and then I eat out a, b- a box of chocolates as I read it. And then I also have the audio book. So I was listening to it on the plane and I just would like to read a couple. <gasps>
3: Karen, this of- makes
2: me so happy. Oh, and also so many people have said you have to listen to Teen Creeps because they have this great episode yes. on this. But I don't want to listen to that until I am okay. done reading this book. So it doesn't influence what I'm saying in any way. Sure if that makes sense okay so I will definitely do that because so
3: many people have recommended yeah. it even our own Steven. they did an episode of uh, what episode was it like
0: well they've done my Cedar Gina but I was just gonna say I, I've been on the podcast twice and it's oh. been really fun you okay know, Lindsay and Kelly are really sweet and okay. they they I mean the fact that they read a book every week to do this podcast is incredible
2: that what? Yeah. Oh, but it's it's mostly YA. Yeah,
0: it's all like RL Stein and, oh, okay. and Christopher Pike. Yeah, and but everything. still, in,
2: this
3: shit's yeah. Legit. Still,
2: that's two hundred pages. Yeah, how okay. do they
3: do it? Read me a thing. Okay, we have to write a book report. They have to read a book. They have to read a book and talk about report. it and
2: report and report it. <laughs> um, okay, so the, I'm now in the part where she meets. Um, no, I don't have his name written we're here. Old, old, boring old Adrina? She, we're boring old, second best. Mm-hmm. Nobody likes Ugh. you. Uh, Shut up, Adrina. You're not the dead one, therefore you're not as good, Adrina. Yeah. Calm down, Adrina. We <laughs> She's call her. Second best. Second place is first loser. First is the worst. Second <laughs> is the worst. Err. Second is worser. She goes into the forest, which she's constantly Honey, forbidden to go into. You're stupid. We've told you. By her family. How many times? She's nine. Oh, quick reminder <laughs> for people. She's nine years old. Then she goes into the forest. There's a home in the forest mm. where, and of course I'm picturing it like full on gingerbread house mm-hmm. and in the house, is a boy i think his name is Auden, and then his mother lives there too <sighs> and she hides behind a tree and watches him rake the yard and in the book it's talking about like how he has a hot ass and shit he's no. 12 years old i swear to god is he andrew's okay i mean i think she's just laying out a lot of like let's the let's just break all these taboos.
3: Is she a pedophile?
2: Uh, no, I think she's welcoming your mind to explore options. You have up until this point told yourself you are not allowed to explore like pedophilia. Well, or just a light appreciation of a 12 year old boy's ass in jeans <laughs> privately. Okay. So he, in a book. then, uh, she gets caught being in the woods. Uh-huh. Being peeping, being a peeping stalker. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, a nine year old stalker. Um, and so her father comes storming in, grabs her every interaction with her and her father. I get so nervous. Oh it's going God. to b- boil over into incest every time <laughs> they talk or have breakfast or whatever. There's so much <laughs> inappropriate in like intensity. Yeah. Um, but at one point he starts, <laughs> he says to her, common people will, will drain your specialness. <laughs> And I had to write it down. Because he's saying, like, you're too good to talk to those people in the woods. Oh,
3: you, Adrina, who were making you the creepiest creep in creepo. Yeah. Don't talk to common people. They're fucking... She's like, take my specialness, please. I'm so sick of this specialness. But she's...
2: she uh rem- like, quick reminder she's a nine year old and her hair is all colors and her eyes are all colors right what the fuck was that it changed oh it's it, it's like tr- it's like she's a calico child <laughs> and that's part of her specialness oh okay. um, oh also the description of when Vera gets spanked by daddy oh yeah and it's down to like her ass burning through her thin underwear like it gets into a detail where I'm like nope this is sure, this I is- think we need to talk to V.C. Andrews I- I <laughs> I
3: don't know. We Is need she to have, available? I don't know. We need to have a little fucking quickie convo with her. I mean, we'll it, look.
2: it really, it just right, it goes right up to the edge and then, and then scatters back and then kicks it in the shin and then says, I have a crush on you, incest <laughs> and runs away.
1: <laughs> it's <laughs> so
2: crazy. It just bruised shins. Yes. Yeah. Oh, and then I said this at the show the other night, but my favorite, I'm assuming it's a misprint. It's some. Um, she describes somebody, and I'm pretty sure it's Cousin Vera, coming mm-hmm. down the hall, mm-hmm. clumsily clumbering, which I'm like, cl- I'm almost positive clumbering isn't a word. But clumbering makes so much sense, though. It makes more sense, but you can't... If you're going to say clumbering and not lumbering... We don't need clumsy as well. Get clumsy out of there and get a different adjective with, without the CL at the beginning, because now you're s- clumsily clumbering is your borderline, like, Rod doll. Why don't you just start singing a song, Ooppa Loopa style? And it's
3: like, okay... Stop tripping over your own fucking feet Yeah You know Who Vera? Everyone She's a big fucking clumber It's the girl oh, Okay Speaking of books about children I have one to talk about Okay But this is a bad one I uh. mean not This is a badder This is a real one Okay So last week we got in, the, in our P.O. box A couple books from um, a woman <laughs> Who lives in, uh, Ohio and gave us two, like, Ohio true crime books. You took one. Yeah. And I kept the other and started reading it. And I am halfway through and I'm fucking obsessed with it. Okay. And it's so good. This is a woman named Karen sent these to us. And it's, um, this one's called Amy, my search for her killer. Here, I'll show it to you because she's, it's a true crime one. Her name's Amy Mahalovic. She's from a Cleveland suburb and she uh, disappeared on, uh, in October of 1980. And this dude, James Renner, who's the author, Mm -hmm. who's like he he like pitched it to his like newspaper in town that he was working on. And now this whole book is written by him trying to find out and going through fucking each suspect and talking to the, you know, the the main investigator, the FBI agents, the fucking family. And it's written so well. And he. Inserts himself in the book in a way that doesn't suck. Yeah, because he was the same age as she was when she disappeared in a town over, and like so, it's part of him in the way that it's we his understand. Yeah. right. Yeah, the way that we remember growing up and seeing this person's face, and how much it meant to us. And it's it is such a fucking good book. Amazing, and I can't wait to finish it. So it's it's by it's called Amy: A Search for My Search for Her Killer by James Renner. And I'm totally obsessed with it.
2: And in case you can't find it, cause it looks pretty, um, it's called, it's a published by Gray and Company Publishers, mm-hmm. www.grayco.com. G-R-E-Y? G-R, sorry, G-R-A-Y. Uh-huh. So if you can't find it in normal ways, it's on
3: grayco.com. It's written so well. James Reiner, you can like, you can tell how much it means to him when he's writing it and it makes the book so heartfelt and interesting and, and wonderful and I really love it. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah.
2: He's got a good face. <laughs> he
3: does. Yeah. You really
2: did Don't read take... a lot of that.
3: Yeah. Dang girl. All weekend I've been reading that. Good
2: girl. I know.
3: <laughs> Instead of drinking. Uh, <laughs> I'm like, I can't drink too much cause I want to read this book. <laughs> Thanks, James. You fucking cured my alcoholism. Yeah, that's right. James. James. <laughs> you should send him a Starbucks card. <laughs> oh, I, th- I, that, I swear to God,
2: that wasn't an intentional segue, but I would like to thank, um. Live Nation? Yes. <laughs> no, no, no. Oh. Um, I went to, starbucks the other night in glendale because just r- running errands and it was the night before i get so weird before we leave when yeah. we travel and i have to buy things that i want to make sure are there when i get back i get real hmm. ocd weird plus you like you're like black dress i need a black dress and all that no nothing i actually need oh. i do things like i need coffee so i have coffee here when i get back
3: wow. like weird Ooh, i wonder what that means it's just like it's part
2: of my not wanting to leave the house in the first yeah. place um, so I start telling myself, like, if stocking I go, up. I won't be ready. Yeah, there's a, I have a real stocking problem. Huh.
3: But <laughs> I went as so and- Audrina. So is the <laughs> second and worst <laughs> shitty Audrina. The creepiest and peepiest Audrina. <laughs> the creepiest, peepiest, stockiest ever. <laughs> nine year old behind what? a rain tree. With a fucking 12 year old butt, Audrina. There's like a
2: whole picnic scene where I'm like, <laughs> nine year olds and 12 year olds don't go on picnics. Nine year olds and 12 year olds are a hundred years apart.
3: Yes. Nobody wants, no 12 year old wants to talk to a nine year
2: old. Unless she has hair that's purple, gold, yellow, orange, and red. Uh, okay. So I went to the, I went to the um the Starbucks closest to the Designer Shoe Warehouse. And uh and I went in and the only coffee they had out were was Christmas blend. So I asked the girl behind the counter if they had Italian. That's my kind. Um she says, "Hold on, I'll get my coworker to go look for it." Are you fascist? A little bit. Okay. Yeah. I only I like Italy just from like 1935. <laughs> to right around 43 fair enough the girl comes out of the back holding like the one bag of Italian and when she the doors fly open she's like oh my god and then I was like hey I was like that's for me and she's like um okay I I love your podcast and then this is that's my favorite reaction when people seem genuinely bummed like they don't want to say it but they've already acted weird yeah and it was super cute anyway long story short She didn't act weird. That that sounds judgmental. She was very sweet and was seemed happy and surprised. And then she gave me a free pound of coffee. And I was like, wait, hold on. I don't want you to pay for my coffee. (laughs) And then she's like, no, we get a free pound every week. It was like a pound she would have had uh, at home with her roommates. (laughs) That's right. I'd like to take that away from her. Right. So thank you to. Thank you to Mariah at the Glendale Starbucks. You front me, your friends and family coffee as uh, (laughs) a That's what she said anyway. Friends and fascists <laughs> coffee. Thank you, Mariah. My Mussolini sips. I love it. I love Italians. I love the way they make coffee. And did
3: you come home from your trip happy that you had coffee? Yes.
2: Pre-ground. Already Ugh. in the thing. Come on. Because the mistake I always make is then, oh, forget it. I'll just get the whole bean at the grocery store. No. No. No.
3: no. <laughs> Never.
2: Terrible. Listen. creates, look, it creates garbage on your counter.
3: Don't want that. Can't have it. Um, Steven's got one. Steven's oh, pointing at a thing. No, I was going to say, it all
0: recorded.
3: Oh, good. Okay. <laughs> Steven almost deleted this entire episode. Of the magic. The magic that just fuck. happened. You wouldn't, I mean, you heard it. Ugh.
2: How could any of that get recaptured? I love thinking of people who start this podcast this late oh. on, and the way we start this thing is like a word puzzle. Like, who the <laughs> fuck would know what was going on?
3: Why are they talking about my sweet Audrina and kicking people in the shins? <laughs> Oh, it's han the first night of Hanukkah. Oh, yeah. Oh, a Hanukkah miracle happened today. What was it? So my thing, my thing that I'm looking, that I'm happy about this week at the end of the episode was going to be that my mom and I are going to therapy on Thursday. She's coming with me to therapy. Wow. We're going to sit in therapy together and work out why she's such a fucking stupid bitch. No, 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 no. We're going to work some shit out. We're going to work it out because we're fighting right now and not speaking, but Here's what happened. I accidentally told her it was Tuesday, <gasps> our therapy appointment. <sighs> so she called me. and was like, where the fuck are you? Not she was like, where are you? And so I made her come meet Vince and I for lunch and we worked some shit out. Oh, and that's good. Really well. Yeah. Oh, that's good. So everything's good now. I are mean, you still going to go? She can't. She has to work on Thursday. Yeah. So it's not it wouldn't have happened. Like it wouldn't have happened. Because I fucked it up. Yeah. <laughs> but we talked and argued and Vince being there made it really great because he's such a good mediator and everything. So everything's fine now. Not oh, fine. Good. Everything's, you know, human. Yeah. Now. Are you but are you going to get her to go? Or do you think that that window is closed? No, no, she'll come. She's been offering it for years, and I've always been like, that's fucking condescending. Fuck you. You think that like coming to therapy, and so you can tell me what's wrong with, you know, I've been addicted. <laughs> but about does it. she go to therapy? Oh, yeah, we all go to therapy. Oh, okay, okay. Everyone in my family goes to fucking therapy. Got it. Yeah, so that was a Hanukkah miracle.
2: Amazing, okay.
3: yeah. So you, that you got, got to do it out of the office, right? Yeah, that it's still we still were able to talk about what happened. Oh, that's good. With her mean text to me.
2: Um, um. So thank you, Yahweh. Yes. And the angel Gabriel. Uh huh. And those Audrina. guys. And
3: the first and best. The first Audrina. and best, Audrina. That's all. Thank her. you. That's all her. <laughs>
2: she um, had
3: white hair, I believe. White. Yeah, it wasn't fucking changey colory. No, like a fucking she monster. Was, she
2: wasn't a fucking cuttlefish. <laughs> please
3: <laughs> oh oh Elvis Elvis loves Elvis is uh what's the little uh oh my god Jesus what's the one um <laughs> tiny Tim it' oh, yeah. happy Christmas everyone <laughs> is that it is that it no nope. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's like you you just um revealed that you've been like a a, a spy a russian spy deep deep state russian spy
3: Listen, yes, all i've seen is scrooge it's okay happy christmas everyone <laughs> i said it was a hanukkah miracle elvis fucking this insane siamese cat screamed and then i said it's a happy christmas everyone and <laughs> oh that- sorry that just
2: reminded me My favorite shirt of the weekend was the woman who was wearing a shirt that said, make Paul Onions proud. I uh, almost lost my mind. I don't.
3: It's what is wrong with you people? It's the best, best people ever. Funniest, best. Who wants to go first? I went first at the, at the insane Kansas City show that'll never be posted. That is one of my favorite shows. So sometimes you guys will have, um, well like if we sell out a show really really quickly our amazing wonderful tour agent joe schwartz will be like you guys at a late show and we'll be like okay and then we're like why did we do that it's re- it's really hard to do a it's pretty hard second show and so we get on there and we're fucking hopped up on diet coke and fucking coffee and cocaine and cocaine <laughs> and like mini twix bars <laughs> mm-hmm. and we go up and it's fucking bananas and this one was especially bananas i you say that yours was great you saved it it was it
2: here's the thing it just is like such a roll of the dice. We're we doing a thing that you probably should not do for a live show, which is we don't know what the other person's <laughs> going to talk about, which makes it really fun and yeah. is the best part. But then like on that one with mine, I felt like I was in a car sliding on ice, it, like skidding into a brick wall. I went first last time. <laughs> so I'll go first. Okay.
3: Shocking family secrets will be revealed, but will you crack the case? Find out as you escape this world and dive into June's world of mystery, murder, and romance. It's all just one tap away. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. That's June's Journey. Download the game for free on iOS and Android. Goodbye. Now this story, uh,
2: uh, Guy Branham told me to do this a while ago, when we were doing shows in Toronto. But I said, no, it's it. When he told me about it, I read it up a little bit. And then I was like, oh, it's too singular. It's too like <clears throat> doesn't have enough. I don't know. Bells and whistles or whatever. Body. And then <laughs> body body. Yeah. Um, But then I read it and that's not the case. And I knew it, it was a good story because for me, it th- this story causes me more and more and more anxiety mm-hmm. as I read it. Mm uh so I'll tell you about this is um this is the story of Jennifer Pan.
3: Oh you know this one? Yes. Okay then I love it. So
2: I realized in reading these articles, what I found was that the real like um mother like s- the source of the this story. Dough. That, yeah, exactly. The original yeast dough mm-hmm. of this story was from an article written by a woman named Karen K Ho, <gasps> a name I'll remember for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. Um for um I guess a magazine called Toronto Life. Mm-hmm. Because this girl knew Jennifer Pan <gasps> and grew up with her. So was kind of giving a um a different like a different view yeah. of how
3: the of the whole thing. I feel like it's always different when the person who's writing the story knows what the town was like, where they're from. You yes. know what I mean? Like, because it can be like any fucking small town or suburb or whatever, but you know what it's like. <clears throat> yeah. And what the person, what the high school is like and what the curriculum and what the person's. Expect, expectations are.
2: Yeah, this, the
3: context,
2: because, a, context. And this one, yes. And the, like, it's the family context, especially yeah. in this story, because this is one of those stories about what they call the dragon parents. So right. there's tiger, tiger moms are one thing, but then there's another term that they they were using in all these articles and it was dragging, dragon parents oh, or dragon father. Okay. So I think it's the ones that are way more intense. It's not just like, is it's, it's the kind that are insanely restrictive and insanely strict and and tough um with in really high expectations where there's kind of you have no choice there's a yeah. n- there, failure is not an option right okay so on november 8th 2010 um at around 9 30 p.m jennifer pan locked the front door of her family's home in markham ontario which is a suburb outside of toronto and went to bed uh shortly afterwards three men entered her home with guns um they ransacked the home it was a home invasion um, looking for money they grabbed um, Jennifer's parents Han is her father and Bic uh, is her mother they took them down into the basement um, basically the TV room down in their basement brought them down into the basement they were demanding money um, they looked all through the master bedroom they tore up the whole master bedroom to find money they kept demanding money um we're being invaded. Han, uh, Jennifer's father, told them that he had money in his wallet. He was trying to th- think of other places that he could give them money from. And they end up shooting mm-hmm. Han in the shoulder and then in the right eye. <gasps> and then as uh, Bic, Jennifer's mother, is screaming, they shoot her three times and kill her. Uh. Han survives getting shot in the eye. The dad? yes how does that happen i don't know he it broke his orbital bone the bullet and it grazed the um the vein that uh goes down your throat i guess it's is it your jugular or one of those no the ar, ar, art art vein. the eye vein it his uh-huh. big tear duct it basically went through his eye no, I don't like that. but then like out, i think out the side and he survived jesus um Upstairs, Jen- they tied Jennifer to the stair staircase um, banisters. Well, thank you to the banister. That thing you stick your head through, yeah, when I can and <laughs> get, get stuck. stuck. <laughs> uh, how old is she again? Sixteen. She think? no. At the time, she is twenty six. Okay. Oh wow. But she looks sixteen. Okay. So she she is, lives at home. Yes, she lives at home with her very strict parents. Okay. So they tie her with shoelaces to the banister, and um, they shoot the parents and then they all leave mm. with whatever the cash that they've taken. Mm-hmm. I think it's, it ended up being like through around $3,000 or oh something. Um, Jennifer gets out of, she loosens out of the, the shoelaces. She calls nine one one. She's freaking out. The cops arrive. Um, Han comes out of the basement. He's able to get up and walk outside. A neighbor's the first one to find him. Mm-hmm. Um, and he gets loaded into an ambulance jennifer gets loaded into an ambulance um she has a younger brother who is half an hour away at college Mm -hmm. um and uh and they all they all get taken she gets m- met by crisis workers at the hospital they tell her her father's in surgery um and that her mother's dead Ugh. um she's at the hospital for a really long time eventually they realize that th- that there's not even wounds like there there's aren't even red marks on her wrist from those shoelaces huh. so she is uninjured and she ends up um they take her once she's out of the hospital, they take her back to the police station and the, um, the detectives question her and basically just kind of start asking her questions. What happened? Just, can you describe these people? They make her go through it once. Then they do another technique where they make her, um, and I got also got a lot of this from case file. One of our favorite case file. That's what, that's the episode I listened to of this show. I mean, that guy just does such amazing research. It's just so dramatic. Yes. Yeah. Um, he was also pronouncing the mom's name Bicca mm-hmm. but I only ever saw it uh, written that it was pronounced Bick. so I'm well yeah and he's Australian so. he's Australian yeah, I don't know he's what definitely. he's doing he's doing something with his voice Um <laughs> so anyway okay so basically she goes and the cops are like Tell me the story your way. Now tell it from above,
3: like, just, yeah. and then see what you can remember. That's so, cr- like, it's so weird. Can you imagine having to do that? Yeah, Especially of a traumatic event. Yeah, telling the story over and over it's again. It's like, as you see the people acting it out as, oh, it's so weird. It's so crazy. But then that second
2: way does help her to remember, and uh, she's able to describe the guy's better and more detail. She remembers them, the names that they called each other. Oh,
3: yeah. Um,
2: <clears throat> different things that they talked about with the money, whatever. Um, so it's a little bit effective. Then right before she leaves, the, the guy says, Oh, and <clears throat> we need to check your phone because if these guys may, we think you know, her mom had just come home from line dancing class. Mm -hmm. So they're like, well, maybe somebody followed her Mm -hmm. or like it's, she was targeted somehow. So if it wasn't her, then we want to see if it was you, if you were being targeted. So we need to know who you've been talking to. And then in this interview, cause on the case file thing that, that he has all the interview tapes. Mm -hmm. So they, that it starts with the nine one one tape where I was on the freeway. Did she listen on the way over? (sighs) And I grabbed that phone so fast. (laughs) It was just cause she is freaking out into the phone Um And of course, you know, screaming. um. But then in the police interview tapes, she's really, she's crying. She's really upset. And then at one point he says, you need to sign this thing so we can look into your phone. And then she's like, um, so, and all of a sudden she has a bunch of questions Uh about how they're looking into her phone and what that might mean. And he's basically going, it's fine because if you're not lying to us, it's just us looking at your phone. And then if you are lying to us, we're going to find out. Like, who you've been talking to and if it's information we need to know. And that's when, like, the temperature changes a little mm. bit. Cause up until that point, she was the victim. She yeah. was, you know, like the, uh, one of two survivors of a terrible home invasion murder robbery. Yeah. Um, so that, you know, it changes a tiny bit there. Um, and then they start looking into her past and the people that she's been talking to and uh it turns out that jennifer pan might not be the person that she has been presenting herself to be Mm -mm. okay so um basically her father han had been a tiger dad uh well we'll start at the beginning they um her parents um were both born and raised in vietnam and they moved to canada as political refugees in 1979 um and they got married in toronto and then they lived in scarborough neighborhood for a while um and that's where they had jennifer in 1987 and then her brother felix in 1989. um scarborough neighborhood apparently was kind of rough at the time that they lived there um they both uh Han and Bick worked at Magna International car parts manufacturer and, um, they, they worked really hard. So by 2004, they'd saved enough money to buy a large house, the two car garage in Markham. Mm-hmm. Um, so Markham was a quiet suburb north of Toronto, um, predominantly Asian families and very, it's just kind of like where people went. It, it was really just quiet, low key. Mm-hmm. Um, and now, Bic is driving a Lexus, Han's driving a Mercedes, like, they're doing very well. Yeah. And, um, they have, it's reported they had 200 grand in the bank. Mm, yeah. So, they were totally dedicated to their kids and getting their kids into college, getting their, making their kids as successful, um, you know, Canadians as they can. Mm-hmm. Um, so they didn't allow Jennifer. They had... Jennifer was playing piano from the age of four. Mm-hmm. She won all these awards. She had like a room full of awards for how good she was at playing the piano. Um, then she got into ice skating um, when she... A uh, little older. When she was a little older. And she did it every single day. And she wanted to go... Uh, she was like in training and she had set her sights on being in the 2010 Winter Olympics in Vancouver. Mm -hmm. Then she tears a ligament in her knee and basically that dream ends for her. Um, When she was graduating eighth grade, she thought she was going to be the valedictorian. And she basically found out she was getting no academic awards and she was not the valedictorian. What? And that's like all of a sudden she was just like, What's I'm the point? I'm not who I'm supposed to be. Right. And she kind of, she had been working her ass off up to that point. So she, it wasn't, she didn't make a mark and she was shocked and couldn't believe it. And That's totally unacceptable in her family. Like her family was like always all you do is like these extracurricular activities we've chosen for you very specifically Mm -hmm. and then you're gonna be like you're gonna get a four point eight GPA essentially. Um so even a thing? No. (laughs) 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 She just has to do the impossible essentially. Okay, got it. So um so some nights in elementary school, she'd come home from ice skating at 10, then do homework till midnight and uh, then go to bed no. in, in elementary school. Honey. And, um, and in elementary school, she started cutting herself because the pressure was so intense oh, no. to be successful in all these different things she was doing. Um, so she was doing little horizontal cuts on her forearms. Oh, baby. Yeah. So, um, so then when she went to Mary Ward Catholic Secondary School, um ice skating was over for her so she started playing flute in the school band. Mm-hmm. Um but every day after school her parents were there to pick her up when when band practice was over so she could go home and study. But her grades in for the way their family considered it were failing
3: because she was only getting Bs. Mm. God, I would have fucking paid for a B back <laughs> right? then with my cello <laughs> with my shitty cello playing. I mean I don't
2: understand why I got any of the grades I got because I never tried and I would get <laughs> just a full variety from from A to D. Oh, it was just like why try? Yeah. I don't I learned that early. It's very random. Yeah. Why try? Why try? Just have a good time. Yeah. Um so When she got her first bad, you know, all B's report card freshman year, she took some old report cards, some scissors, some glue, a photocopier, and she made herself a brand new fake report card worth straight A's. All A's. Yep. That's how you get all A's. And in her mind, she said, universities don't consider marks from grade nine, Canadian grade nine and Canadian grade 10. Um, So she's in her mind, it wasn't a big deal. It didn't matter. Fair enough. And I'm sure she was thinking, I'm buying myself a little time. Here's these A's and I'll work back up to A's sure. and it'll all work out. Sure. Um, she was not allowed to have a boyfriend. She was not, uh, not allowed to go to dances. She was not allowed to go to parties. She was not allowed to spend the night at friends' houses. Um, she was, it was all about school and getting her school, school work. Um, in the spring, um, all her hard work and dedication paid off. She graduated from high school and won early acceptance to Ryerson University in Toronto. Um, her parents were happy. They wanted her to go to the University of Toronto, but Ryerson University was still great for them. Mm-hmm. Here's the problem. Uh, Jennifer Pan had early acceptance to Ryerson University, but then that got canceled <clears throat> when she flunked out of calculus <clears throat> uh, when she was a senior. Oh, no. Um, so... She, that, that early acceptance was rescinded. Now she's not in any college. Oh no. So she starts doing what many people do. You pretend you're going yeah. to college every morning. Yeah. So this is like yeah now we're into me when i live in sacramento and i'm flunking out of college but my parents don't know Mm -hmm. so i'm doing the thing where i go home for the summer and every day get up and run to the mailbox like i'm a child (laughs) excited for the mail trying to get the mail
3: the report card before my parents (gasps) do
2: because they're gonna see
3: it and no you're not going yeah
2: my report card was like a point eight three or something like i was only going to theater classes (sighs)
3: I mean, you're literally going.
2: <laughs> it was insane. Oh no. So she's doing the same thing, but she's kind of doing it in reverse. So she's saying she's going to school, getting up every morning, taking the train, and then just chilling out at cafes. She got a part time job waitressing at a pizza place. Um, And she was hanging out with her secret high school boyfriend, Daniel Wong. Daniel Wong. So she had been dating Daniel Wong since they went on a European... the, in high school bands they went on a trip to Europe mm-hmm. and she'd only been friends with them up, up until that point point. Mm-hmm. and she I think the story was that she had an asthma attack in a smoke filled bar and like thought that she was going to die because she couldn't breathe and Daniel came to her rescue and Daniel came to her rescue Daniel Wong. and like talked her down oh. and then they became secret
3: lovers <laughs> yeah <laughs> I was trying to hold my breath so you could finish that because it was so amazing but I couldn't parenting. <laughs>
2: oh my god, Daniel. They were secret lovers. So that had been going on also. She she had she'd had a bunch of plates spinning at once, yeah. Jennifer Pan. So sometimes she would go over to his house. She finally convinced her parents that she needed to move in with her friend Topaz, who lived close to college. And had an amazing name. And had the best name. Was she a stripper? We'll never know. (laughs) It doesn't matter. That's what I'm picturing in my head. Topaz in the apartment had the pole to practice
3: on. I mean, that's hard. Have you seen? This is like some crazy ab work. Dude, that's like incredible dedication. Uh, strength.
2: Stamina. Stamina. I just fell asleep as I'm talking. Um, <laughs> so, uh, okay. So basically that becomes part of it. She's also telling her father that her grades are so good. She's getting like $3,000
3: tuition scholarships. So she, it, it's just lies upon lies mm-hmm, upon lies. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, Because um, it's better than having to tell your parents that you're just like a normal human being. Right. Which made me so sad. It's just just to be like, I'm just average and yes. I want it. Just enjoy my life yeah. as a normal human is not acceptable.
2: Right. And there is, apparently there's a couple times in this article that, um, Bic, her mom would be like, let her be herself yeah. or she's okay as she is. Yeah. And tried to like take the heat off a little bit, but she was also Jennifer's the oldest. Yeah. And there's just so, you know, there was so much pressure. It's that it's, it's the same kind of pressure in, um, like I will I can equate it in the way of like in our family Irish immigrants like, they call them lace, lace curtain Irish, where they make sure everything looks really good because right. they think everybody thinks they're a scumbag. So they're like, here's our beautiful yeah, lace. That's, look how well we're doing. Everything's ironed and everyone, we
3: have nine kids, but everyone's clothes are perfectly ironed because. Well, it's a thing of like immigrant parents where it's like, I didn't fucking, I didn't go through what I went through for you to work in an office, like a boring office or in a pizza place or right. as a, you know, even as an exotic dancer, like, which is all acceptable fucking jobs. It's what everybody does. That's not, I will not accept it. I didn't come here from Vietnam to fucking raise a child to not be a superstar you have to have like your own law firm
2: you have to yeah you have to do everything perfectly and never trip once which is not only impossible yeah but also that's not how you get good at things thank god my parents had no expectations
3: (laughs) for me (laughs) whatsoever aside from i mean aside from nothing
2: (laughs) my parents my dad used to love to tell the story that they used to bring home their report cards to my grandpa who they said d's and um D's and F's meant doing fine. <laughs> and he didn't, he That's dropped out awesome. of school when he was a kid. Great. So he was like, doing good, everybody. <laughs> Jesus Christ. And they all became civil servants and plumbers and things that, you know, and had happy back then, lives. you could make money by doing sure. that. It's not like that anymore. Anyway. I'm oh, sorry, go on. No, no, no. Um, no, but there, it's just funny how there, there, there are these pressures and some way it's like in some cultures it's academic pressure mm-hmm. in some cultures. It's like you have to get married mm-hmm. and have a family Definitely. immediately
3: pressure. Yeah, It's, it just depends, but. Or, relig- or being, you have to be religious.
2: Yeah. To, yeah. Stay in the clique. Totally. Stay in the fam. Totally. Okay. So Jennifer is. She's under the gun and now she's 22 years old and she has been lying to her parents consistently since like eighth grade, essentially. Oh my God. And being, having like a double life. Um, which is kind of amazing. Um, she's, but she's never gone to a party. She's never gone to a club. She's never gotten drunk. Um, and her one relationship is her secret relationship with Daniel Wong. Mm -hmm. Um, so basically, She then tells them that she, her, it was her father's dream for her to go to pharmacology school and become a pharmacist. Mm -hmm. So she's like, guess what, everybody? I got accepted. Like she She just just, makes a thing up. Yeah. She, um, she lies. She tells them that she got in. They're thrilled. She hadn't, but she starts buying used books and bringing home like pharmacology books. And when she would leave for school every day, it's (sighs) stressing you out, huh, Stephen?
0: No, it just reminds me of the woman who uh, did that for Stanford and pretend to be in Stanford for like two years. Same thing. Because
2: her family thought she was in Stanford? Yeah, the family pressure, yeah. So she lived in like Palo Alto? And And
0: she would like sleep in... Like she, like if a do- if like if a dorm, like a a roommate dropped out, she'd be like, "Oh, I'm the new roommate," and she would sleep <gasps> in uh, people's dorms and stuff, pretending that she was a student, faking her grades, all the same stuff.
2: Oh my god! Yeah,
0: it's they insane. Sh- they Christ.
2: kind of should get an honorary doctorate for getting away with it. Yeah, for like faking it for so Don't long. Don't pretend to be successful. Y- you because then you have so much further to fall. Yes, <laughs> and also it's y- take that
3: take that initial hit of like I fucked up. Let the chips fall. They can only yell for so long. Yeah. And take the, and take the uh, initiative to lie and use that towards something better. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, you're a really good liar. Like, go get a job somewhere cool. Right and build yourself up to management. Take that. Lie your way to management. Don't lie, but just like you—you <laughs> you clearly are not stupid if you're able to fucking trick all these people for two years. Get into sales. Get into
2: fucking sell houses. Sell houses. Sell uh mobile phones yeah. on Hollywood
3: Boulevard, sell right ph- out on the sidewalk. Right. Pharmaceuticals. You start right around the corner in the alley. There you go. My dad sold fucking uh, Ginsu knives at, at fucking Walmart. Hell yes. Do it. Those things can cut a Coke can. Yeah. And he showed you how at a Walmart. Marty,
2: Marty, go ahead. um So she instead goes for it in a major way. She majors <laughs> in lying and tells her dad she's going to pharmacology <laughs> school, which I just can't. It's almost like she's not even lying and going like, "I, you know what? I got a job in California. I'll see you later." Yeah. Or anything. She's yeah. not busting out. She's just like continuing to
3: try to make it work. Like I, I still have to live here.
2: Yeah. And I have to make these people happy and I don't know how. So I'm just gonna do it the way they demand. So she's buying fake textbooks and not fake textbooks, used textbooks like oh the old pharmacology. Right. And then she's going to the library and watching videos and reading books on it and taking notes so that when she goes home she has reams of notes so it looks like she's really doing work. She could
3: have actually been going to school this whole time doing that. Probably if she if if she she wasn't a
2: B student, she could have. Um, that was rude. So, <laughs> so then she asks. she asks if she can stay at Topaz's house during the week because mm-hmm. it's a way better commute. Her mom's like super empathetic and like, let's let her, it'll be so much better. Well, she's of course not staying at Topaz's house. She's staying at Daniel Wong's house. Danny. Um, his parents. She was lying to his parents and saying it was okay with her parents that she was staying at their house. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, so basically there was no one she wasn't lying to except Daniel Wong. Oh, Daniel. Um, so basically when it was theoretically time for her to graduate from the University of Toronto <laughs> pharmacology program, Mm-mm. they, Daniel and helped her find someone online to um, create a fake transcript <gasps> with all A's in it and then she told her parents when it was the graduation ceremony that um they that it was an extra large class and all the there weren't enough seats all the students only got one ticket and she'd already given it to a friend cuz she didn't think one parent would want to go without the other parent. Mhm. Yeah, I think that's when it might have started to stink a little bit yeah. to the parents. But then when um Jennifer told them that she was volunteering at Toronto's prestigious hospital for sick children. They noticed that she didn't have any ID, no uniform. There was nothing to prove that she officially worked there. Oh so one day Han, they drop her off. Uh, or they insist upon driving her to work. Uh And so then she gets out of the car and runs into the hospital. And then Han tells Bick, go in after her (gasps) and follow her in. So she ends up going and running and like hiding for hours in the emergency room or in the, in the waiting room. Um, and basically Bick comes back out and like, doesn't find her. Um, uh, And basically she waits them out until they leave. And then early the next morning, they call Topaz to say, Hey, we need to talk to Jennifer. And Topaz, who just wakes up is like, she's not here. Yeah, isn't in on it. Isn't, doesn't know what's going on. And basically they find out that Jennifer was at Daniel's house and, and the whole lie comes down or the Um, whole house of lies, the whole house of cards starring Kevin Spacey comes down. Um, it all becomes (laughs) a house of cards. So, basically, she has to confess she never volunteered at the hospital for sick children. She didn't. She wasn't in the pharmacology program um, and that she had been staying at Daniel's house. Um, she actually didn't mention that she'd never graduated from high school um, and that her time at Ryerson University was uh, fake. So, I didn't even know that She didn't admit to any of that. She only, she got out what she could. Yeah. Of course, Han lost his fucking shit. Sure. The dad went crazy. Um, Bick had to convince him to let her s- remain in the house. And they basically said, if you, it's him, it's Daniel Wong or it's us. Mm-hmm. And if you go with him, you can never come back to this house again. So then she basically had to break up with Daniel Wong because mm-hmm. she didn't know where to go or what to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and they take away her cell phone and her la- laptop for two weeks. Mm-mm. And then after that, they tell her, we're going to check your messages anytime we want to make sure you're not interacting yeah, with him and she's an adult now she's like 25 oh my god so she's yeah it's it's not uh it's crazy yeah um so she is finishes up just that she takes a calculus class Finish gets her high school like ged or whatever mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um she uh so basically her parents encourage her to apply for college for real. Mm-hmm. She makes money as a, being a piano teacher part time. Mm-hmm. And, um, basically she can't go anywhere except for university or piano lessons. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, this, so she's 24. I said that. So, um, when she breaks up with Daniel this time, says, I can't see you anymore because mm-hmm. I'll get kicked out forever. He's like, I, c- fine. Like I can't take it anymore. About anyway, shit, yeah. He starts dating somebody else. Uh uh-uh. oh. And they fall in love. Oh no. And of course, Daniel. Jennifer doesn't handle it well. She falls into a deep depression. She attempts suicide. Um. And at one point, she tells Daniel that some men had home invaded their house and had gang raped her. And then. She tells him that his new girlfriend mailed a bullet to her <gasps> as a as a warning to stay away. That she basically insinuated that the new girlfriend, this was all the, her plan yeah. to attack Jennifer. Yeah. Um so somehow that story works. Okay. Uh, because they end up getting back together. Well, is she a really good liar at this point? I think she must be. In the like that nine one one call is so believable. Yeah. I would have never doubted her, yeah. and I'm sure in a way she was really. I mean, right. Her parents were just attacked, right? So I don't think she's a completely cold, like sociopath or psychopath. Yeah. But,
3: but um, she's been lying for fucking fifteen years. Yeah, she has to be good at it and used to it, and it's a normal. It's not keeping it's like, her up at night. Yeah, it's not, and it's like a it's like a normal way to live your life is. To start by trying to lie about something.
2: Yeah, that like, if you're, if you're not getting what you want, get that manipulation going
3: because you can't ever get anything
2: kind of the The direct way. The
3: default is to tell some, tell a person what they want to hear. Yes. Or like, or really play a huge card. Right. So that people go like, holy shit, stop everything. Why would anyone lie? Yeah,
2: exactly. So basically, Daniel, and Daniel himself is a bit of a, he's, he, has been kicked out of schools. He, um, he's a little, you know, he got caught dealing pot when he went to that Catholic school Mm -hmm. that they went to together. He's a little, you know, living on the edge a little bit himself. So when they get back together, basically together, they figure out that, her parents' life insurance policies would pay out half a million dollars mm. and that she's the beneficiary. Mm. And so Daniel starts helping her make a plan to, to have them killed. Fuck. Yes. So he says that he knows a guy named Lenford Cra- Crawford, the worst name of all time. <laughs> A borderline VC Andrews name, <laughs> Lenford Crawford. Um, Daniel calls him homeboy. Uh, they start setting up a thing where, like, she can, uh, she has a separate SIM card and mm-hmm. iPhone, so she can talk to him and make mm, this plan. Smart. Nobody finds out. Um, and basically the plan is, Uh, when you're done like watching TV for the night unlock the front door so Mm -hmm. she so she actually left the front door unlocked Mm -hmm. then she went upstairs to her room she flicked the lights in the study to give them the signal Mm -hmm. that it was time her mom had come home from line dancing was watching TV her dad was um watching uh the news in a different room Mm -hmm. and basically these men came (sighs) in and the the men that that um home invaded and and basically attempted to kill her father and killed her mother it was all her doing and a completely her setup oh
3: my god yeah so
2: which you know, it felt like we were getting to that. It's not the biggest yeah, reveal in the world, I know, but, but it's so sad. It's so fucking crazy and over the top. And then basically the third time they bring her. So the cops, the first time they think they're just getting the story yeah. from her. The first interview, the second interview, they're kind of like, let's talk about this again and go Shit's over some not details. It's up almost. Yeah. And the, and it's always, you know, it's like the family is what's looked at first. Right. always. Plus the
3: dad was supposed to die. Yeah, Right yes so the dad was supposed to die was the mom supposed to die yes they For both sure. were okay yeah okay so essentially
2: the third time they inter- they interrogate her mm-hmm. and they use something uh, I think it was called I didn't I didn't write it here, but basically, a guy named Jer- Jeremy Grimaldi is a journalist. In 2016, he bu- he published a true crime book um, about Jennifer called "A Daughter's Deadly Deception: The Jennifer Pan Story." Mm-hmm. And in that, he talks about they used this interrogation technique that might not have been above board, where they basically trick you into trusting them and then waterboard you. And yeah. then, like, it's almost like one guy is good cop and bad cop. Oh, <laughs> waterboard
3: you. <laughs> and then they waterboard. And then they just waterboard you. Wait, um, so the guy is like you trust me you trust me you trust me now i'm angry and you need to make me not angry anymore because i'm your friend yes
2: like they lull they lull her into a sense of kind of like she's being talked to like yes you're a victim too and i bet it was really hard your dad was really mean and strict and whatever and then just boom and they like it's like that kind of shock and awe thing Mm -hmm. i I didn't read the whole thing of but you can read this book where it talks all about that how that interview might not have been Totally fair. Oops. But at the end of the day, she is the, the person who hired those people. Yeah. And, um, essentially, uh, um, uh, at the trial, her own father took the stand and told the story of what happened. Uh, um, that was March 19th, 2014. He basically had to get up on the stand and tell everybody how these men came in and he survived. When he woke up, um after getting shot into the eye he woke up to his dead wife laying there next to him and then like got out of the house thinking that everyone had been killed yeah
3: like where's my daughter is she okay yeah worried about her too probably of course and then slowly finds out that it's she's the one behind it horrible oh my God.
2: so after 10 months of this trial jennifer pan daniel wong um Homeboy, <laughs> homeboy, uh, Lenford Crawford, <laughs> and uh, this guy's name was David Milvaganam. Man, mm-hmm. there's a bunch of Milvaganam. Milvaganam. Um, they all got. Uh, they were all convicted for murder and attempted murder, and each received a life sentence with no chance of parole for twenty five years. Um, and then the, the third guy, Eric Carty, who is the one that tied her to the banister, he's Mm -hmm. tried separately. So, um, there's, uh, yeah. So basically read Karen Cahoe's article in Toronto Life magazine, Jennifer Pan's Revenge, the Inside Story of a Golden Child, the killers she hired, and the parents she wanted dead. Oh my God. That's the article you're gonna wanna really get into because there are pieces of this article in every other article yeah I read. yeah that's what, what everyone's basing it on karen you'll th-
3: you'll never understand unless you have like been raised in a family like that that's yeah but there's crazy it's
2: like so strict but then there's people that have had par- terrible parents and they don't have their parents totally. killed it's, it's just that weird turn of like yeah it it just stresses me out so bad. It's like I've done that exact thing where you're like, okay, that fucked up. Now I'm gonna make up a new thing yeah. that's gonna get fucked up, and I'm gonna do that dumb thing. And like, the more complicated you make it, the the more the worse you're making it for yourself. Yeah, for sure.
3: That's a good one, dude. It's crazy. Good job. Thanks. That's that is bananas. Um. Yeah. Vince had a friend. She was a comedian from Michigan. And they all went to New York and her name was Jawan, and she came from that kind of family where she had been lying to her family. They all thought she was going to school to be a dentist and she was actually a comedian and didn't tell any of them. And then out of nowhere she fucking jumped off the Brooklyn Bridge. Yeah. And killed herself. I remember hearing about that. It's just so sad. Like she just couldn't tell them that she was doing what she actually wanted to do in life. Yeah. It's horrible. It's just like such a Sad thing to me. I can't imagine. And I bet so sad for
2: the family. Yeah. who think they're applying pressure right. in just the right way to, or or whatever they're doing, what they know. Right. And I'm sure, never in a million years right. is that the result they're looking for. They'd rather like,
3: have their daughter as a comedian that you know, and not what they wanted her to be than what yeah. they wanted her to be and, so and alive sad. right it, of course it's always made me so sad even though I didn't know her it's so tragic yeah. yeah I
2: remember a lot of I mean a lot of people I know knew her and yeah it was they're really upset about it
3: yeah um all right well okay here's my turn
0: Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go
3: to your happy price, Priceline. This um, this is a timely story because it's a cold case that finally, hopefully, at, this is the end. Came last week. Uh-huh. Uh huh. But this is a story that I've been interested in it's a forty one one of the 48 hours you know we've all watched it it's really interesting texas monthly i got a lot of this information from the texas monthly which we love texas monthly the best article called unholy act by pamela coloff c-o-l-l-o-f-f this is the story of a fucking priest john fight oh and the murder of irene garza oh i don't know this oh honey Oh shit. Fucking buckle the fuck up. Buckle down, baby. Settle in. Buckle up. Ow. Hit your foot on the coffee table. <laughs> kick the coffee table <laughs> as kick, hard as you kick can. the coffee table. Like you have a crush on it. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Here we go. Okay. So Irene Garza is born in 1934. She's this dark haired Hispanic beauty from M- McAllen, Texas. It's an agricultural, agricultural real. Nope. (laughs) Uh, Area. Agricultural. Agricultural. (laughs) Thank you. Area. South of Texas in the Rio Grande Valley five miles from the U.S.-Mexico border. In high school, Irene had been crowned Miss All-South Texas Sweetheart. Shit. And McAllen High School... Uh, where, uh, you know, mo- everyone's fucking white. Back then, she had been the first Hispanic twirler and head drum majorette. Wow. So she was, like, b- fucking busting down borders. She's this beautiful beauty queen, but she's Hispanic, so it's, you know, a uh, sense of pride that it's, it's you know, she's busting She'd, down borders, as yeah, I said. Yeah, she's not... I mean, Texas, that's, like, b- b- blonde, big uh-huh. teeth, blue eyes. That's, like, usually what you're going to get out of a right. Texas
2: beauty queen.
3: Right. And she is, you know, she's not that. Um, and she's the first in her family to graduate from college, which is a super big deal, huge accomplishment. So at 25 years old, she worked as a teacher for di- disadvantaged children, which she took a, great pride in some of her students were so poor and came from the neighborhood where she had come from and had been able to get out of that they came to school barefoot and Irene spent her first paycheck on buying those children clothes and books yeah So So happens to this very day. Right. Even worse, I bet. Exactly. So she's this really big hearted, kind person. She is gorgeous, which isn't a reason why she shouldn't be a victim, but there's just this warmth coming from her and and, you know, she had a huge future that uh that that she earned. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Listen. Look. Look and listen. Stop it. (laughs) At the center of her life, though, is her uh devout Catholic faith. Mm-hmm. That's like her fucking thing. On April 16th, 1960, uh, the day before fucking, uh, Easter Sunday. Oh, okay. Is Saturday or Easter Saturday called a thing? <sighs> it's like chill out Saturday. It <laughs> doesn't sound like <laughs> it, it. it. It is. Palm, uh, I don't know. Chill the fuck out Saturday, <laughs> the day before Easter. Yeah. Well, go ahead. Well,
2: Good Friday. Good Friday. Good Friday is when he went up on that cross. Okay. It might be the ascension. He, I don't know. He chilled out on Saturday. He got rolled on up in the, that tomb. Yeah. And, and then, uh, and then he was risen on Sunday. Yeah, but Saturday he just hung out. Well, Saturday was all up in that tomb. Yeah. People thinking he's dead, it's over. Yeah, and he was like, you know what? I'm gonna hide. High- okay, I'm not gonna get sacrilegious
3: <laughs> here. Or we already have. real <laughs> mad at me. <laughs> it's
2: so sad because I've had this shit drummed into my head. But then, of course, well, when it would be impressive, it, I can't pull it out. But
3: here's the thing. And today's the first night of Hanukkah. Uh, <laughs> we rebelled against it because we hated it so much. So everything was drummed in our head. We're like, fuck you, I'm not remembering this. Yeah. And now we don't, now we just don't know things. Now just the guilt remains. The guilt and the, uh, ignorance. And the really good songs. Ooh, yeah.
2: I got a bunch of those. Peace is flowing like a river. Anytime you want me to sing it to I will. Okay. Okay.
3: Baruch Ha'tah, let's fucking do this. <laughs> <laughs> Name a prayer. Okay. <laughs> <clears throat> okay. So, on April 16th, fucking lazy Saturday, <laughs> 1960. <laughs> <laughs> Irene borrows, she's 25, she borrows her family car to drive to their church, Sacred Heart Church, where she plans to go to confession. Um, she leaves around 6.30 that evening. She's like, Mom, I'll be back. And a bunch of witnesses see her get to church. Everyone's in line for confession. She gets in line as well, but no one sees her leave that church uh, that day. Ugh. She never came home that night, and the next morning... Easter Sunday. That's right. As you know. He is truly risen. He rises and her car is still parked down the street from Sacred Heart. Mm. The first clue comes two days later when one of Irene's high-heeled shoes is spotted by the side of the road um, and 300 yards from there is her purse. It looks as if someone had like thrown it out the window of a passing car. There's no fingerprints on it. this crazy huge search ensues, including they, they dragged irrigation canals. They go house to house through the town. Border patrol, um, planes go fucking circling. Um, 65 national guardsmen are called out to assist what became at the time the most extensive investigation in valley history. Wow. But it's not till four days later after she disappeared that Irene's body is found floating in a nearby irrigation canal. Mm-hmm. She's fully dressed except for her shoes and underwear are missing. The right side of her face is badly bruised. She had two black eyes and the autopsy reveals that she had been beaten with a hard object and suffocated. The state of decomposition suggests that she'd been dead for fewer than four days. So maybe she had been kept somewhere for a day or so. Um, and she had been raped while unconscious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The local newspapers go fucking nuts with rumors and speculation everyone is like being fucking targeted or fingered uh including this prominent local citizen who had died of a heart attack days after she disappeared you know or that had been transients or someone that had a crush on her because she was so beautiful but she was also you know not she was dating but not you know she was catholic um you know what i mean sure uh, detectives question more than 500 people in the weeks following the murder. But behind the scenes, detectives, they don't talk about this in public and the newspapers don't really talk about this. They are focusing on a 27 year old priest named John Fight. What? Yeah. A priest. Okay. Fight, it's F-E-I-T, had recently finished his seminary training in San Antonio and his name kept turning up in their investigation. So he had recently come into town. He was a bright and well. He was bright and well mannered. He had dark hair and horn-rimmed glasses. He looked like he'd be in Weezer. You know what I'm saying? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, he struck parishioners, though, as aloof and a bit of a loner, and seemed ambivalent about his vocation. When he was asked why he had joined the priesthood, he said, "I just want to give it a try." <laughs> <laughs> I'm fucking sorry, but if God isn't in that <laughs> sentence or Jesus. Some fucking. That's, you can't say that out loud. No. Is,
2: is was he new to Catholicism? You got to, you got to like be in it to win it. Like
3: if anyone asked either of us why we wanted to do a true crime podcast, it would be like a passionate plea of how interested in fucking crime we are. That's right, and we're not. And talking, talking to God, <laughs> right? Mostly talking, but
2: also like to not. It's almost that very glib, flippant thing of... Cocky. Like, it's... Here's my funny joke, and, like, really, it's none of your business. Right. Is what he's saying. Right. Which, Which you're not like, supposed to
3: say to... <laughs> anyone who's asking you is, like, f- being earnest and being like, tell me, I want to connect to you. You're
2: a priest. I'm looking for some fucking guidance and some wisdom. Can I get a fucking...
3: Amen, please. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> On the night of Irene's disappearance, father fight... Had heard confessions and taken part in a midnight mass he'd also admitted to his superiors that he had met privately with irene in the church rectory and i wrote in parentheses the house because i didn't know what a rectory was i thought it was an office the church's office i thought it was you know where he went and wrote out his i thought it was an office well it's a house right I didn't know that. It's the priest house that's but it's connected to the church. So it kind of is like an office. Do all the priests live there or just the one like head priest? It's um
2: it's kind of like case by case. Like mm-hmm. in my hometown, St. Vincent's um, they live at the rectory and, but you can also go there. Like, at my mom's funeral, we went to talk to the priest in the rectory, okay. like in a downstairs
3: office. Doesn't rectory sound like it should be like a side room office? Well, it sounds like factory. It's where they're just churning right. out Jesus statues <laughs> all day and night. But that, but I mean,
2: I think it's like, it's basically, um, you know, the church hall is where people like have uh-huh, their, uh-huh. you know, Sunday coffee clutches or whatever. Uh-huh. The rectory is where you'd go and you're like, we need to plan a funeral, we need to plan a wedding. This, there's some serious shit happening
3: here. This is the business. This and is- then upstairs, the priests live. Unless- and then it's the busybodies next door. <laughs> yes. Making fucking, I was going to say Kugel, but they don't make <laughs> no. Kugel. No, they actually, okay. they ban Kugel okay. long ago. All right, I get it. So the rectory is, okay uh and that was viewed by other priests as really inappropriate to take anyone especially a fucking hot 25 year old lovely woman all right so so well, yeah because unless she has called like if it was a
2: parish business she would have called like the lady the lady that runs the office and been like i need to make an appointment but this was
3: for confession specifically Oh yeah, no, you do that in the confession booth. There's a, there's a booth that is titled for the thing (laughs) she was doing. They had people build it right into the church. So people, specifically, you can
2: sit there and pray and then look at people getting confession. Uh huh. That's the whole idea of confession. Well,
3: he took her to the rectory. Gross. Pass. Uh, okay. Yeah, it's mm. Mm-mm. it's problematic. Yes, it is. Also, several churchgoers who stood in his confession line, which had fucking stalled out because he fucking picked her out and took her to the rectory to oh. talk. Oh, that night, told detectives that he seemed to have been absent from the sanctuary for long periods of time, and another priest, Father John O'Brien, reported seeing scratches on his hands when they drank coffee together at midnight mass Uh Uh then detectives learned that on march 23rd so that's three weeks before irene uh, irene disappeared and her body was found that a woman had been attacked at a catholic church 12 miles from that church one where Irene went to uh-huh. 12 miles away, 20 year old college student Maria America Guerrera had visited Sacred Heart Church in Edinburgh and noticed a young man with dark hair and horn room glasses. Weezer uh sitting alone in one of the back pews. And in her mind, she was like that. I, I think she had an immediate reaction to him. He made me nervous. But she was like, calm down, uh Maria. You're in the church. You're in the fucking house of God. Nothing can go wrong. Right. You know, she let her guard down. Yeah. Which is totally understandable. In a church, of course. In a church. Yeah. And when she went to the altar and knelt at the communion rail, uh a man grabbed her from behind and tried to put a rag over her mouth. Holy so, shit. Yeah. She fucking fought the shit out of him, and when he put his hand back over her mouth to silence her because she was screaming, he she bit the shit out of his fingers until he drew blood. She drew blood. Yes. That's, you know what I'm saying. Yep. She ran out the side door of the church. She escaped, and in her sworn statement, she said that she thought her attacker was a priest. That was the first feeling she got. Wow. Which was very controversial. Yes. You know what I'm saying? I bet. Cause this is the fifties or the sixties? This is like, this is 1960. So we're technically still in the fifties. So I wrote about this, that this is, this is a long time before the sexual allegations against priests started to come out and people believed yes them. That this wasn't until the nineties that these allegations came out against priests sexually molesting children. And it wasn't even until way later that people believed them. Well, and, and of course, horrible document. I mean, amazing oh, I re- documentary. I wrote this down.
2: There is, is it the, um, it's uh deliver us from evil. And there's a guy in it that talks about when he got molested by a priest dri- being driven in the police, the priest's car. Because they he didn't have a dad. Mm-hmm. And so he's like, I'll take him out to ice cream or whatever. Gets molested in the priest car. The priest drops him off. He walks into the house, says to the mom what just happened. The mother slaps him across the face <sighs> and says, how dare you ever say that? And then the priest continues visiting their house for years to come. It's the most upsetting. It's just children against adults. Mm-hmm. And there's no, everyone's like no fucking way. It's
3: not even children against adults. It's children against God's chosen people and these i highly religious people which i don't completely understand which is why i was excited to talk to you about this because you were raised catholic they're infallible they are infallible and you talking badly against a priest is talking badly against jesus fucking christ that's right right it's this it's it's like pre-vatican ii shit where it's like it's
2: old like when the popes used to control everybody and they were the richest people and they fuck anything they wanted and it was just all about power and money. And basically these yeah, this is why people who were
3: pedophiles went into the right. priesthood. Because they went in with carte blanche. And we're not saying that Catholicism is bad religion, that priests are bad people, that any you know, we're not I'm not talking shit on any of this. It's just this Reality of a of a really bad period that happened that uh, we need to acknowledge.
2: Well, yeah, and I mean, I think at this point it's so been acknowledged. Most right. of the people that I know that are good Catholics and that are faith based, like they don't they. They still believe in, they have a relationship with God and spirituality, but most of the adults that I know, because of the stuff that's happened in the Catholic church are incredible. And I don't just mean like people my age, I mean like people my parents age that are just so... Uh, it's like, you, you can't look at that power structure and go, this should continue. This is, yeah. this is going great. They've right. handled stuff great. Right. And it should continue. There's, there are very few people that feel that way. Right. Cause it's just so, it, it, what a horrible thing. It's not, but, you can't give people absolute power like that. No. No. Not at all. Especially that access, that access to families. Yeah. I, but, but I have to say this too, like, There are priests in my, in St. Vincent's that are some of the best people I've ever met. Absolutely. And it's just that kind of like, it's almost like the bad ones steal the good, the goodwill from the good ones. Definitely. Um, because those ones, it's like what, what a great effect they have on people's lives.
3: Yes. That's how it all works. Definitely. Um, so, da, 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 da. Okay. So, uh, yeah. So. This is way before any of these things came to light. So at Sunday Mass, after Irene's funeral, just to show you how protected priests were, the priest told the congregation that he knew there were rumors that a priest was involved in Irene's murder. And he said, quote, it is impossible that a priest would commit a crime like this. Don't speak of it. Don't even let yourself think it. He said that himself? at To the congregation. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Right? Um, in late April, uh, detectives drained the irrigation canal where they f- had found Irene's body. And on the bottom was a light green Eastman coda slide viewer with a long black cord. So, like a, a slide viewer. Yeah, like a like picture a- viewer.
2: Like one of these? cha <laughs> <like, laughs> like, Yeah, but like f- to the wall. Oh, okay. Like a slideshow. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we call those coda slide viewers
3: at our house. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there is a photo of it online if you look it up. I mean, like of the actual one. So okay. it's got its long cord on it. It's at the bottom of the irrigation canal where they think her body was thrown in, really close to where it was, And they also find a candelabra that belonged to the church. John Fite is like, Oh yeah, I, I bought that coda slide thing last summer. He like is like, Oh yeah, that was mine. And those candelabra, that candelabra belongs to the church. So what he probably strangled her with and what he probably hit her with a fucking head with is at the bottom of the fucking canal and he raises his fucking hand and is like, that's mine.
2: Wow. Yeah. Because kind of in the confidence of knowing no one can do anything about it. Who fucking, yeah, maybe.
3: Who knows? Mm. Mm-hmm. So finally, the priest sits down with the detectives in early May. He provides a, of course, meticulous account of his actions on Easter weekend. He says that he had counseled Irene in the Sacred Heart Rectory. He said, "Yeah, I totally did that because she had some information she wanted to give me that was private. So I brought her. That's why I brought her in there." Um, He (laughs) because the confession booth, uh which is a muffled closet that Uh no one can hear the from the outside Mm -hmm. of, wasn't private enough. She could only scream her confession. (laughs) Is the problem? Jesus, no. He saw her leave, though, at whatever time, and then he had these, like, dumb excuses for why he had cuts on his hand. And he's like, and goodbye. Polygraph tests implicate him in both Irene's murder and the attack on Maria Guerrera a couple weeks earlier. And in August, Father Fight is indicted for assault with intent to rape Maria Guerrera. Oh, shit. Yeah. The jury, though, motherfucking deadlocks... And the proceedings end in a mistrial, and so rather than face a second trial, uh, in 1962 Father Fight pleads no contest to reduce charges of aggravated assault, gets fined $500, and that's it. Mhm, mhm. Takes that right out of the uh, goodbye.
2: He takes it right out of the church Ooh. The bucket. What do they call it? The uh, collection plate. Oh. Now I'm losing all of my terminology. There you go. I mean, Jesus Christ. That's the guy. He's, Jesus Christ. He's like, can, Jesus can see and hear you if you're trying to rape yeah. people in church. Clearly, Clearly. Yeah.
3: You fucking lunatic. Yeah. So... It's now alleged that the district attorney, that the district attorney at the time and church leaders, cut a deal to stop the investigation into John Fite to protect the reputation of the church. Mm-hmm. Also, most elected officials at the time in the it's the Hildego Hildel- County were Catholic, mostly elected leaders. Yeah, and it was at a time when none other than fucking Senator John F. Kennedy is running for the pres for president that year who is a fucking Catholic. That's right. It's, he's the only, he's, there's never been a Catholic president before. He's the, there's only one other Catholic that had ever been a nominee for president. Oh. In one of the major parties he had lost. So, and, Dewey? And like, was ha- it Dewey? I don't remember. I didn't even write it down. <laughs> no, it, that wasn't it honest question. <laughs> I don't think it was. I wouldn't have known. Oh. Um, <laughs> And anti-Catholic prejudice is fucking big time. So they're like, we need Kennedy to win. We're all fucking Catholics. let's not give them a reason to hate Catholics. Oh, okay. So like for political reasons. Yeah, including JFK being fucking elected. Wow. And like, you know, it's Texas. It's a big fucking place. God, that's so funny to think. I just always, it's just my own weird
2: bias. Like I, I used to think everyone was Catholic. Mm. I, when I was a kid that huh. I just assumed everyone was Catholic. That's so interesting. Was were there a lot of cat? well, you went to a Catholic school. Um, I went to Catholic school, but also our town was just small and mostly Christian. Although then later on, I learned that there was a big bunch of, um, Petaluma was like one of the biggest, uh, receivers of, um, of. Uh, oh, immigrants oh. after World War Two oh. of uh, Jewish um, people who were running from the war, well, refugees. <laughs> Thank you. Where do they live now? <laughs> they still live there. There's, there's just, Jewish. Like, a lot of Jewish There's a couple club? temples in Petaluma. Oh, yeah. Okay. Because I think one or two of the families had like chicken farms, so they're like everybody go out and work on the, go work on the chicken ranch. Very cool. All
3: yeah. Right. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, that could be a lie. No, no, you said it. No, I believe it. I'm almost positive I read that somewhere. It's true. It feels so true. It feels really good in my heart. Great. Okay. so basically that means no murder charges are ever filed against Father Fight. And shortly after the killing, the church transfers him to a faraway monastery. So in the 60s, he spent some time at a treatment center for troubled priests in New Mexico and at monasteries <laughs> in multiple what? states. Hold hold the phone, please. I will not. Uh, I want to go to a
2: treatment center for troubled priests. And, and kick them all in the dick. Right. The horror movie that
3: needs to be written out of that. I mean, like at the children come and attack and kill them all. Oh, my, oh my God. God. What, it's like children of <gasps> the corn, but at a fucking monastery for troubled, quote, Troubled priests. Troubled priests, where it's revenge. The children come out of the fields.
2: It's called you're in trouble, priests. You're in trouble. You're in trouble. I heard what you did this past summer. Right. Said said Jesus. Said Jesus to the Lord. Mm Mm-hmm. That's That's fucked up. mm Mm-hmm. Who, uh, mm -hmm. everyone in that neighborhood where that, place
3: was it was just like
2: move away well
3: remember when we watched um what was the really great documentary in on netflix over the summer the keepers yeah mm-hmm. and they and he went and visited the house where all of the priests had gotten sent to and yes. they lived and they were all child molesters and shit yeah keepers is still fucking great everyone should watch it it's so good listen if you want to have a binge weekend of terrible shit yeah you should watch deliver us from evil which oh.
0: You just your heart. need to
3: You need to watch It's historical information That you need to know about It's just fucking Life lessons And you just need to like Calm your pessimism A little bit Optimism I, meant. <laughs> I was gonna say Well, it also, there's, it's that
2: thing of, it it feels like a very new cultural thing where it's like, everybody's got to get real with the fact that, that true sociopaths and psychopaths move in this world Mm -hmm. in exactly these unexpected ways. They are baseball coaches. They are priests. They move into their boys. They manipulate. Yes. And they're
3: good at it. They're good at it. You're not, and you need to get okay with that. Yes. You got, you got to, if you are
2: a single parent, you got to keep your eye double peeled. You got to, Triple check all the people that want
3: to be in your child's right. life, all that yeah. stuff, which we're saying that to people who know it by heart. I mean, like that's. Yeah, but you forget that shit, man. Like when it's you and your people and this, you know, a guy you're dating. Yeah. Of course it's fine. You know what I mean? It's like, of course you don't think about it in terms of your own life. You think about it outside of you.
2: Yes. It's just so it's, I remember reading that sports illustrated thing about how many baseball coaches like little league coaches Mm. were pedophiles and it's just the most frightening and insane thing. I want to read that. You got to read it. It's it's insane. I'm pretty sure it was the cover sports illustrated like 10 years ago. Oh
3: my God. I need to read that. It's so crazy.
2: Cause (sighs) it's then they're, they're in the lives. They're right there with all the sports and everything's dude and sports and couldn't be safer and And games. And we need to go to this and practices. And and then they, then that's how they select the ones who don't have Anybody that's gonna come and beat the shit out of them if they do anything to the kid. They like, that's how they spot vulnerable children and people who
3: are, I mean, it's just the most fucked up thing oh, ever. Very awful. Um, also, okay, also the movie Spotlight, which came out recently. Amazing. Is about that too. So watch, so have a nice binge weekend. Oh. And then watch Bob's Burgers. Oh, and my Big Mouth. God. to get yourself to feel better. <laughs> yes, Big Mouth is amazing. Big Mouth is so good. Okay. Ba ba ba. New Mexico monasteries. Bah, bah, bah. Oh, <laughs> here's fun. At one point, <laughs> here's fun. Here's a here's fun. Here's Left fun. turn. <laughs> At one point, he served as a supervisor charged with clearing priests for assignments to churches. So the priests who got sent to the fucking, you're, you're a terrible person, get out of this town, they're gonna fucking murder you. Yeah, it's the th- attempted rapist priests. Uh huh, they sent him to this, these places in his monasteries, and our fucking friend John Fight was on the fucking clearinghouse to let them go back into the goddamn world. Good. This motherfucker. Healthy. Yeah. Just good decisions all around yeah. being made. Everybody. Absolutely. At every level. We have one open seat, who should we fill it with? John fight. Oh, wait, is the devil not available? <laughs> okay, then. Right. So one of the men that he held clear for parish was James Porter, who isn't the guy from Deliver Us from Evil, but could be a child molester convicted of assaulting more than a hundred victims. Who was Fuck. a priest? He Fuck. was like, "Get him back in there. Yep. You're in the game. You fucking." Dick. Okay. John Fight left the priesthood in 1972 and moved to Phoenix, worked as an, ins- uh, an insurance salesman, got married, had kids and grandkids, lives a fucking normal goddamn life. Whoa. Meanwhile, Irene's parents, Nick and Josephina Garza, they both passed away in the nineties without ever seeing anyone prosecuted <sighs> for Irene's murder. But they were assured by people in the church that Father Fight um, who they always fucking suspected would be punished by the church if they found out anything had been had been done. And they were assured that this was a bigger sentence handed than any court could hand down. And so they're like, OK, great, because they still fucking believe in the Catholic Church. Cause right. They were fucking Catholics. Well, yeah. So April 2002. Let's jump ahead. OK. All right. Good. 42 years after the murder of Irene Garza. A former monk named Dale Tashney, who had left the priesthood more than thirty years earlier to marry, suddenly he gets a fucking conscience. Oh. He says that in the summer of 1963, he was asked to counsel John Fight while he while John stayed at the monastery where uh, this guy Dale was a fucking priest monk. Uh, during their six months of counseling, John Fight told Tashney of the night that Irene died. This oh. guy called the fucking investigator and was like, let me tell you something. He told him that Father Fight had asked her to come to the church rectory, had heard her, conf- and had heard her confession. And after the confession, he had restrained Irene, uh, maybe bound and gagged her. He had fondled her breasts, and before he returned to the sanctuary to hear confessions, he had moved her to the rectory basement, and later that evening, he moved her to another location. Then on Easter Sunday, so she's still alive, then on Easter Sunday, he put Irene in a bathtub and placed a bag over her head, and as he was leaving the bathroom, he heard her say, I can't breathe, I can't breathe. And then Tashni said, when he came back later on that day or early evening, he found her dead in the bathtub. And then that night, uh, he put her in a car and took her and dropped her off a, along a roadside where there was a canal. Uh, Tashini had kept it to himself out of a sense of religious obligation for more than four decades. He well, didn't tell anyone. It's like he
2: confessed to him and you can't. the in terms of being a priest that
3: hears confession you're not allowed to repeat it i mean i feel so grateful that he came forward and said stuff but at the same time it's like some this person this man murdered this woman it doesn't that's then that's not a priest then that's not a priest anymore the man who murdered someone is not doesn't get to have that no anymore. but everybody gets it it's not just for priests
2: it's that's the that's like they're talking to god through you and you don't get to intervene yeah because they're asking for forgiveness and so you have to be that no matter what somebody says to
3: you as a priest you have to say you're forgiven well, he was counseling him so it wasn't confession i mean i don't know if technically yeah well i i
2: yeah.
1: bet you they'd say yeah, it yeah, was yeah. just
3: for the protection right
2: but the other thing is, wasn't she found brutally beaten? Yeah. So that's bullshit, She right? was
3: beaten and raped while unconscious. So clearly he left some shit out. Yeah. Or they just didn't tell you everything in this article. Yeah. Because yeah. it's too much. But I would bet you
2: that, like, he's basically saying, well, I, I just did a couple I of things. I walked away and she died. And then she's, so, I mean, it's unfortunate. Like, yeah. he's basically telling the story to this other priest, like, too bad that happened, as opposed to... Yeah you finally fucking attacked this woman. Well,
3: one of the things that Tashney said was he didn't show what I would consider to be compu- um, compunction or sorrow or grief or anything like that. So uh, he had kept it to himself. And then he, at this point in 2002, he's in his 70s and he had a change of heart. Uh, and he was like, I'll fucking testify. Like, let's do wow. this. Yeah. Wow. Which is incredible. So yeah. Texas Rangers then begin to Im- reinvestigate the case when he's contacted, fight, who's now sixty-nine year old, says that man doesn't exist anymore, and he won't say anything else. Like the
2: man who who raped uh-huh. and murdered a woman. Uh huh.
3: Yeah, he does, dude. Do. Yeah, he does. Sorry, he's in you. <sighs> so, rangers also interviewed Father O'Brien, who back then was like, "I saw scratches on his hands," and he tells the rangers that a few months after the murder, fight. Uh he had confronted Fight about whether he had killed Irene and the priest had told him everything. So he too was like, Yep, I know everything. I'll fucking testify. Oh shit. Um, and yeah, he'll he'll tell everything. So. But- and I would
2: say this too. This was back I I think that people very rarely broke that. Like, if I'm telling you, if I'm giving you confession, you're like basically you have to forgive me in the end, you don't get to say anything. That's in like, you know, police tv right. shows all the time is that not true anymore well no i'm saying i think back then no one would ever break it whereas nowadays yeah. i think it's like now everyone's seeing th- the reason that that rule was put into place maybe not have been for the best reasons right or that that there were many more people that would exploit it than anyone would expect yeah yeah that's true
3: um am so- i getting Catholic defensive? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> That's okay. So then in July 2002, the Brownsville Herald ran a front page story on Irene's murder and the suspicion about John Fight And so Hildego County District Attorney Renee Guerrera was asked if he planned to pursue an indictment in the case because they were like, we have all this fucking evidence now, including two people who he told murdered irene and they're willing to testify and this guy renee was like can it be said quote can it be solved well i guess if you believe that pigs can fly anything is possible and then he said why would anyone be haunted by her death she died her killer got away so he fucking flippantly who is this guy this guy renee guerrera he's a fucking Hildego. no wait hill mm. hidalgo Thank you. Oh, my God. <laughs> I only say that because of the movie starring Viggo Mortensen about him and his horse. Hidal- Hidalgo. Hidalgo. Yeah. Thank you. Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, Yeah. He, so at the time, so then he got all this negative publicity and he's like, OK, fine. Uh, Sorry, he was the prosecutor, though? He was the district attorney. Oh, OK, OK. So at the, so he got all this negative publicity because her fucking family's still alive. Her parents aren't. But the rest of her family is like, we fucking care that she died. Yeah. So he in 2004, he asked he has two of his prosecutors present the evidence to a grand jury to indict John fight, But they don't fucking call either of those priests to testify. The hmm. ones who he told that he killed them. And so, of course, in 2004, the jury declined to indict him and no build the case. So that was the chance to fucking, finally, before John Fite dies, to get him held responsible for the murder of Irene. And those two priests had said that they would testify. They wanted to. They were waiting by the fucking phone to be called up to testify. And they just didn't do it. They didn't call them. Hmm. And it, it turns out, of course, Renee Guerrera was Catholic. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So... Ten fucking years later, in 2014, dis- there's a district attorney's race in Hidalgo okay. County. And finally, Rene gets fucking beat by Ricardo Rodriguez. And, he- and in his race, he promised he would reexamine the case if elected. Oh, shit. So fucking Ricardo is elected. Wow. Great. They spent a year and two months reexamining the case and all the evidence. And more than 57 fucking years after the murder of Irene Garza, 83-year-old John Fite is finally fucking arrested in (sighs) Arizona for first-degree murder. Former monk Dale fucking Tashney, 88 years old, fucking testifies. Dang it. 88 years old. Now,
2: when you say monk, does it say anything else about that, him being a monk? You, there's
3: just a photo of him with that hair. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yep. He's got the robes and the hair. And you're like, Oh, honey, you must have been dedicated. <laughs> Cause my God, he looks like he's on space balls.
2: I'm just, try- <laughs> I'm just trying to figure out what
3: that is. If he's like a Christian brother or what like his specific deal was. I'm sure it's very involved, but I don't understand. Okay. I yeah. just knew that it was like a monk, but he was like, but it was like priests were hanging out with him. Yep i don't know he's just in a different kind of like setup catholic thing yeah okay maybe he made wine (laughs) the hair though yep my god so dale what's up 88 year old dale testifies against him december 8th what's the date today the 12th yes december fucking 8th 2017 fucking four days ago oh shit yeah after a six-day trial in the Dalgo County Courthouse in Edinburgh, a jury fucking convicted John Fight. Whoa. Now 85 year old ex-priest of murdering Irene Garza, and he received a life sentence in prison. Oh my God. Yeah. This just fucking came out. That's incredible. 1960 is when it happened. And fucking, what are we, 2017? Yeah. If wow. she were still alive today, Irene would be 83 years old in a letter written to a friend, uh, right before she died, she stated that she's happier than she's ever been, and said to her friend, "Remember the last time we talked? I told you I was afraid of death. Well, I think I'm cured. You see, I've been going to communion and mass daily, and you can't imagine the courage and faith and happiness it's given me." Oh, and uh, that's the story of the murder of Irene Garza by motherfucker John Fight. Wow. I
2: can't believe that ended well. I know, right? It never happens no. in the Catholic Church. Every oh. time it's a Catholic Church story, Yeah, it frustrates you, it disgusts you. Well, cold
3: cases too. Goes crazy, yeah. So he's like in one of those walkers in court, that are also chairs, yeah, you know that you see, yeah, trying to look all old. And he, 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 a couple of things he said when he got arrested were like, "I don't understand. This happened in 1960." Like he, his excuse of, "I don't understand. This was happening now. This was so long ago." And this woman says to him, "There's no statute of limitations on murder." Like. He's trying to play it off like, this was so long ago. Yeah, why are you guys making a big deal about yeah, this? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. He's acting like a confused old man yep. when he's a fucking sexual predator and murderer. Well, also... It doesn't matter how old he is. It doesn't matter how old he is. It doesn't matter what his opinion or about it is. Or
2: that he's a is. grandpa or whatever. Or it sucks for them. his confusion is not relevant. No. It, you, you already were confused. That's why you're like this. Yeah. So you, your opinion about it and how you see it is not valid because according to you no one's life matters right. and any woman is some woman an object who died get in 1960
3: who cares no yeah. no
2: people a lot of people care yeah. a lot of people care and a lot of people are tired of people like that guy exploiting positions of not just power but automatic trust yeah it's yeah. that thing. That's what's so gross. Yeah. Can you imagine going into a church or like, I can't imagine going into a church and getting a creepy vibe of like, oh no, the guy that works here is scaring me. Yeah.
3: That's the exact opposite of how churches are supposed to work. Well, there should be no such thing as automatic trust. Yeah. I mean, it sucks, but even, you know, your fucking pediatrician or your fucking, you know, your, um, what's it called? Anything. There's just there's no such thing anymore, right? And there never was. We just let it happen, right? And yeah. It's it's okay to be
2: just be aware, be careful, and thank God for the internet and checky 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 check everyone's fucking everything record. Yeah. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah.
3: Such a good story. Thank you. Um. Uh. Hi. Hi. <laughs> that was an intense episode. I know.
2: Yeah, there's a that there was a lot of feelings.
3: What uh anything good this week for you?
2: I guess it was so fun to do those live shows. We had I had such a good time. I mean, you can say so we. I'm I did too, speaking for you. But like <laughs> it's just such a joy to have that be a job. It's insane. Because I'm always prepared. Like I really hate leaving my house. And I hate leaving my dogs and I get a little stressy for that. But it's always just we have so much fun. And then there's people that just like give us really nice presents and say really nice things. I, uh, one thing that I guess gets me is a lot of people talk to me about my mom. Yeah. And it's like, gets brought up a lot. It gets brought up a lot of like, it's a young women who are like, I'm a psych nurse or I'm studying to be
3: a nurse. But there's a lot of my mom passed away recently too. And you really helped me. Yeah. Just by talking about it. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's,
2: I don't know. It's, um, you know, it's, it's cool when we get to go out and hear from people about like the meaning of things. Because yeah. to us, it's like, I just go, Oh, well, I just did a, a, a very interesting murder case in a mediocre manner <laughs> <laughs> <You get it. laughs> in our way. And then we talked about a bunch of bullshit. And it's like, I don't know. It just is very meaningful. It's just
3: like such a nice feeling. Yeah. You know, we have like lots of friends. We don't know. As as we say at the end of every show, it's like we thank you guys for letting us do this as a job. The two of us are fucking blown away by the fact that our lives have turned into this incredible thing because of this podcast that we started on a fucking whim. It's super weird. It's super weird. It is. And fun. We didn't expect this. We are. In awe of all of you guys who are like these incredible people. And pe- and like showing up, like I barely leave
2: my house to do anything. So like when I stand there and like it's like a theater full of people who yeah. have all like went and bought tickets and showed up and some have signs and some have, uh, <laughs> it's just crazy. Funny shirts they made yeah. and cookies
3: and crafts and mugs. Yeah. And it's just really, I yeah. just feel super lucky. Every time we come home from a trip or anytime we go on a fucking trip for the show it's it's mind-boggling yeah it's so fun and uh yeah so i think we're about to end the year with a hundred episodes yes so i guess maybe it's just thank you guys for letting us do this incredible thing this year has been fucking bananas and awesome and we're honored it's incredible it's beautiful we fucking appreciate it so much we really do
2: and Uh, thank you uh, and thanks for uh i don't know thanks for (laughs) being thanks for
3: (laughs) Thanks for liking it. Yeah, it's weird. It is. What's your thing? That's the same thing. It's a, I'm gonna go Sam'sies. Share? Are we gonna do shares We're gonna shame shame it. We're gonna shame. <laughs> We're gonna shame share. Shame share. Uh Okay, cool. cool. I love
2: it. I do too. Um. Well, then stay sexy and don't get murdered.
3: Goodbye. Bye, Elvis. <laughs> want <a> cookie?
0: <laughs> that was a definitive yes. You want a cookie? <laughs> a cookie? <laughs>